The reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 24, beginning to read at verse 13. It can be found in the Church Bibles uh, on page 1061. Luke 24, beginning to read at 13. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. 
Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we pray for Rachel as she speaks to us, that you will give her the words to say and that we will hear your heart as we carry on through this series on mental health. And Father, we pray that we will have ears to listen, that something will strike us, that will transform us this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You might have that deja vu feeling because, yes, this was the same reading that we had two weeks ago. But sometimes it is worth hearing things twice. There are often things we won't notice the first time. Much like the disciples in our reading today, sometimes the obvious can be right in front of us and we won't notice. So it is always worth returning to familiar passages if we approach them with the faith that God can and will speak to us. And this time, instead of relating it to dementia, we'll be thinking about anxiety and our reaction to those with an anxiety disorder. So as we begin, my hope is that today you will feel your own hearts burning within you as you discover the unique thing that God wants to say to you today. When we experience anxiety, our body is preparing to respond to a risk or an emergency. The breathing and the heart rates speed up. Adrenaline is released into the bloodstream. The nervous system is put on red alert and the muscles tense up. And this can be fantastic news if we are in physical danger that demands a real fight or flight response. But in our modern lives, this is rarely the case. I am yet to come face to face with a bear in Baston Hill. But our bodies are still there, prepared for a physical reaction, which we then have no real outlet for. And I am sure that each of us has felt anxious or nervous at some point. I feel anxious every Sunday before I lead something. We might get nervous about learning a new skill, moving to a new place, supporting different family members. And not everyone shows it. Some are very good at keeping the swan-like grace up above while paddling furiously underneath. And nerves can be helpful. They can get that adrenaline going just when you need it. Nerves also show that you care, because if you didn't care, you wouldn't be nervous about it. And the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they cared. They had cared about Jesus. They had put their faith in him. Yet here they are, moving away from Jerusalem, away from the holy city. I imagine that they were anxious about what was going to happen next. You can hear the pain and the anguish in their voice as they describe the hope they had had in Jesus. And now it seems as if that hope has vanished. And the thing about an anxiety disorder is that it doesn't just stop at that moment of caring. 
It doesn't just stop at a little bit of nerves when you're doing something new or when you're worrying that something you hope for doesn't happen. The livability booklet that we're using says, anxiety is a vital emotion, warning us of possible risks or problems. It keeps us from making bad decisions or judgments. You can think of it as a bit like the body's smoke alarm. It warns us that something significant may be about to happen. But sometimes, as in a disorder, it becomes too sensitive and it is triggered too often. And that is when it becomes a problem. So we might think that we know what it feels like to have an anxiety disorder because we know what it feels like to be nervous. But an anxiety disorder disrupts the day-to-day -day of your life. There can be panic attacks that strike at random. It could be a phobia that stops your ability to function normally. For the socially anxious, it is more than a nervousness about meeting someone new. There's an overwhelming worry and heightened self-consciousness about how you are behaving. And I can't imagine how someone with social anxiety would have coped with learning that they had just been speaking to Jesus. But does or can faith help? And I speak as someone who doesn't suffer with an anxiety disorder, so I can't give you a testimony of how it has helped me. But I did find an article by someone who is conveniently called Rachel, who shares her thoughts in this way. Anxiety is a fierce, often irrational pest. Its origins, I think, are in what we don't know. When I was little, I was afraid of the dark. In my teens, that fear stretched to cancer, illness, the future, and death. And to some extent, we all worry about those things. A little fear tucked in the back of our minds into that someday section. But those who struggle deeply with anxiety find that the someday section has grown too big. The unanswerable fears and questions are let loose gripping their hands around our neck in a way that paralyzes us with fear. Questions about faith, about God, about suffering can plague the anxious soul until it is difficult to think about anything else. But it is not in the Lord's nature to send us through trials in vain. He can use our struggles to draw us closer to him. Such is the case with my anxiety. In its ugly depths, I am finding treasures of hope that I will one day lay before the throne in the presence of all his angels, because I will know something of suffering and something of his love that even angels do not. The writer of this piece has spent time with God in her anxiety. It has taken her a long time to come to this place where she is finding treasures of hope. And she thinks it's taken so long, partly because we don't talk about mental health enough in churches. We ask each other, how are you? And only half listen to the I'm all right, thanks answer. Or we're the ones giving the I'm all right, thanks answer, when inside we're screaming that actually we want to get off this ride called life. And church can also have that added pressure of what we think we should be feeling like. The don't worry scriptures sit in the back of our minds. 
Philippians 4, 6-7, for instance. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And God can help us when we are distressed. He is there to hear our cries of pain and anguish. But it is not helpful to tell someone just not to feel anxious because God is in control. It is good if there are scriptures that help, but one such as this can pile on the guilt without acknowledging that anxiety is in fact an illness. And if we return to today's reading, I think it can teach us about how to journey alongside others. As always, wherever we are on our Christian journey, we can learn from Jesus as we do our best day by day and week by week to become more like him. Jesus has God's heart. He has empathy. Not sympathy, but empathy. And I have a video now that is going to explain a little bit about empathy to you. And it's a video I've been shown a couple of times at different places, so you may well too have been shown this video before. But I think it is worth watching again. Thank you. If I share something with you, or if you're 
That might have been a little bit difficult to hear all the words that were being said in that. But hopefully you got the general gist that it's about connection and meeting people where they are. And the reading we had today gives a human touch to the emotions that must have been surrounding the disciples on that hard day. The third day since these things had taken place. This reading is about ordinary people, their hurts and their needs. There they were, their faces downcast as they trudged along, confused and bewildered that their hopes were seemingly not fulfilled. I am sure we can put ourselves in their shoes, a time where we pushed ourselves to walk on in our journey. We'd continued our normal day, despite the feelings of hopelessness and confusion. I relate this feeling to when my parents were getting divorced. I was confused. I had believed I had the perfect family. I was heartbroken, yet I pushed myself into school each day, despite those feelings of loss and confusion. And Jesus meets these two disciples where they are. Jesus forms a connection with them before he even reveals who he is. And let's remember that Jesus is God. So at any point, he could have revealed his glory and instantly taken away their doubts. Instead, Jesus listens. He doesn't jump in with answers. He asks questions and hears what it is that they're thinking. He takes time to see things from their perspective, their hopes, feelings, and their expectations. He gently meets them where they are, and he takes the time to explain scriptures to them, helping them to see things from another angle. And when we interact with people, do we take the time to walk alongside them? Or do we rush to get them where we want them to be, perhaps hurrying them to an answer they haven't even asked for? To learn from Jesus, means we should try to meet people where they are, with all their questions and with all their heartbreaks. Another thing that the Rachel I quoted earlier said was that through her anxiety, she has learned that it is okay to have questions. We cannot answer people's questions about death, life, God, and suffering if we have not yet asked ourselves those same questions. Questions such as, why does it seem like people die randomly? And does a loving God really send people to hell? She says that questions like this have fed her own anxiety. And to quote her now, as I've become more open to talking about it, I realize that there are so many people asking the same questions, Christians and non-Christians alike. Many non-Christians ask these questions to prove that God cannot be trusted, that he is outdated and out of touch. And many Christians shy away from these questions because they don't have the answers, or because they're afraid that in some way their faith will be discredited. But the thing about truth, and that is the truth of God's love and care, is that it holds up no matter what you throw at it. Christianity has been around for so long because it can withstand those counter-arguments. 
Christianity does require a measure of faith, yes, but it is not a faith without reason. And there are questions that do not have answers. But there are much larger questions that can be answered, and it is okay to ask. And I think what I would like you to take away from today is that we can make this church a safe space to open up, to talk, ask questions, and come alongside one another. We might not have all the answers or even share the same opinion. But if we come here and let ourselves be changed to become more like Jesus, we will feel our hearts burn within us as we hear his word and share in his victory. We can walk alongside one another and share in one another's pain and one another's joy. When we are free to share our struggles, we shed light on them and the darkness cannot flourish. Things won't instantly get better, but the Lord will hold each of us in our pain. No matter how you are feeling or what anxieties you struggle with, God and us, the people of God, will walk alongside you. Let's end with a prayer. Jesus, you invite us to leave our burdens with you. We bring before you now our fears and anxieties. We pray that your love may surround all who are in darkness of great mental distress, those who find it difficult to pray for themselves. May they know that darkness and light are both alike to you and that you have promised never to fail them or forsake them. Amen.